Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Susanna, and welcome to the Codeco podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here's the show. Thanks. This is the Codeco Podcast. Welcome to episode four for season one. Now, this episode was recorded on Wednesday, the 7th of December, 2022, for release on Thursday, December 15th, 2022. This episode is sponsored by Split.io, and I am your host, Drew Freeman, along with our wonderful co-host, Susanna Skyer-Gupta. Thanks, Drew. In this episode, we'll be ranging far and wide as we discuss mobile development across multiple tech stacks. Our guest today is Kevin Moore, and Kevin is a senior mobile developer writing for Android right now in fintech, although he's also worked in healthcare, including as an indie dev. Kevin is also a prolific software developer educator. Here at Codeco, just in this past year, he has contributed to our Flutter Apprentice book as one of the co-authors. He's the creator of the Supabase video course. He was tech editor on Kotlin Coroutines. He was a co-author on Kotlin Multiplatform, a panelist on professional on one of our professional development seminars that was about Kotlin Multiplatform. And right at the start of the year, he wrote the article Flutter Navigator 2.0 using GoRouter. Kevin is a software polyglot, able to work happily and competently with iOS, Flutter, and Android. I am already overwhelmed. Kevin, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Drew and Suzanne. It is, it is amazing to have you on the show. I know you've had, well, just by the sound of it, a very busy year. Let, let's back up a little first. Um, what do you do for non-computer keyboarding fun? How do you kill time when you're not doing all the books and all the tutorials and all the programming? Well, it's interesting. I just started in January. I took up Taekwondo after oh, wow. uh, yeah, sitting for two years during the pandemic. I just decided I need exercise badly. So I started and uh, it's been so much fun. I'm actually... I think I'm getting in better shape. I'm uh, more flexible and uh, I get to uh, work with a lot of kids, some some adults, but there's a lot of kids in the program, but so it's a lot of fun. So that's Did what I've been do doing. Did you do martial arts before or is this like your never, first try at it? Never done oh, it before. Wow. I'm actually probably the oldest person in the in the class, <laughs> um, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, they 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 kind of get you in this whole thing of oh, I want to get the next belt color, you know, and it's, so you you work hard, as hard as you can. You do the belt testing. There's tournaments and everything. In fact, I just finished a tournament where I came in second in forms and first in weapons. So oh, right that was on. Something. Um, yeah, very nice. What what weapons does one use in taekwondo? So I just got into the advanced level. So we're using double nunchucks. So I'm able to <laughs> swing those around and uh, make it look somewhat nice. So it's been fun. Okay. That sounds actually scary. I didn't realize that. <laughs> but that's, I think I'm kind of mixing up Taekwondo and Tai Chi in my mind. Tai Chi is the one that's like oh, yeah, slow, exactly. slow and gentle. In the park when you're older. Right. Yeah. Okay. And remember, yeah. we're not doing this against anybody. It's just doing a form and in front of judges. So you're just seeing how well you can do it. And so, and they're rubber too. So, you know, usually you're just hitting yourself, you know. So. Nonetheless, it's a great way to negotiate your next book with Kadeco. It's like, yeah. I want to do this book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actual ninja. So you have been on quite a number of, of books and, and, uh, and tutorials this year. 
just bitten by the bug, or has this been a constant, regular thing? Where where is it was has it been this numerous in previous years? No, um, it's kind of funny because I was actually scared to do books. Um, it was very intimidating. Um, I started out with the articles, and even that was intimidating at first. Um, but the more I did it, the more comfortable I got. And I started out as a tech editor. And, you know, it's always easier to find somebody else's mistakes than your own, you know, kind of thing. So that was a lot of fun being a tech editor that way. And then um, I think there was an opportunity that came up where, like, one author couldn't do it. So I filled in and I kind of got my feet wet that way. And then another book came along and I kind of applied for that job and got it. And it was it was a lot of fun. I still feel like um, I have a long ways to go. I mean, we have a great uh, like English writer editors that help you with your grammar and everything. And um, that's really helpful. You know, they they can tell you how to write better and stuff. So that's been really good. I know because we were discussing this a little before the show, um, even before you came to join the Codeco team, you had experience in video. Well, I did, yeah, a couple of courses with LinkedIn, um, did those. Um, that was my first experience. But again, I I was doing written material for Codeco. So that's that's a bit different. The super based thing is video, right? Or no? Yes. Yes. Okay. And again, it's all about um, getting more experience. It's like, you know, when you first start out, you're not going to be very good. And they'll help, you know, the team at Codeco will help you and get, get better. And as you do more, you get better and stuff. So. Yeah, I haven't um, I haven't actually written for here. I've edited and I do this and I'm a book editor. Um, But I'm curious about the video. Yeah, the video is actually a lot of fun. Thank goodness I'm not actually my face is not on the video because that would scare people away, you know. So (laughs) So it's a Um, screencast and you narrate like you designed it and then you narrate it. Exactly. And you're actually the way I do it, I actually program and talk at the same time, which wow. is difficult, but I don't want to go back and like try to do two different things and try to put them together. It's just easier for me. But I, I have it very scripted, which helps so that I can I have a you know tablet on top of my screen. I can read it. Um, and that way I won't hopefully won't make as many mistakes and that kind of thing. And what so. tools are you using to do that? Is it tool, like if somebody is listening in and they're thinking, oh, I don't know if I could even get accepted as a Codeco contributor, but I really do want to make like software development teaching videos. What do you what do you use? How do you do it? So um, I use ScreenFlow for the recording. It's okay. about, well, record your screen and Codeco uh, has very strict ways of setting up your monitor so that it's, you know, they're all the same, of course. Right. Um, and so you just record the screen while you're typing. Um, getting a good uh, mic is really important um, because, you know, a cheap mic won't, you know, pick up your voice very well. So, yeah. yeah. And then one of the things I've actually, I started doing some research. I will actually go back and add some filters to my voice because that helps clean oh, up anything. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So they have filters for that. So I don't know if everyone does that, but I started doing that and I think it really helps. So Oh I do. I, I, I actually have a voice like I'm on helium and I'm running it through all of these <laughs> different things to just emphasize <laughs> yeah. the bass so you don't hear my real voice at all. 
You've done a lot this year with Kotlin and Kotlin multi-platform and a little bit of Flutter. Now, we know you're a polyglot, which means you can pretty much go anywhere. But do you have a preference right now of something that you really enjoy playing? Mm -hmm. So um, I guess probably maybe because of my age. So I've been doing mobile development for 12 years. And I'm at the point in my life where I want things to be simple. Mm. And my this is why one of the things I wanted to talk about was simplicity. And that's I feel like mobile development is getting harder and harder uh, when it should I be getting you easier. I saw said that in the notes. Yeah. And I'm so curious about like, I'm not sure I agree as somebody who is a newbie developer wise. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious what makes you say that. So so tell us more. Like, tell yeah, us so about I'm your perception. I'm primarily here. an Android developer. And my okay. biggest pain point is Gradle, the build system. It oh. is it is a powerful. It can do a lot of things. But it's also this blank slate where you have no idea how this really works. You get one generated for you. So you got a starting point, which is good. But then if you want to make changes, you have to know. Right now, it's primarily in Groovy. Sometimes it's Kotlin. Even still, you have to know almost everything that I've read some people saying with Gradle, you have to almost know everything in order to do anything because you have to know like, what are the classes behind all these things? And it's mm. so difficult. And when I started doing Kotlin multi-platform to me, that was like a nightmare, partly because it was an alpha at the time. And it was like, okay, I had to have this plugin, but that plugin doesn't work with this plugin. And it was and you didn't know why. And so you're spending days and days just trying to figure out why your build's not working. You can't get to the programming, you know? So. Okay. See, I don't know much about Gradle coming from the iOS side, but I always get the impression that it's sort of akin to the old Unix make file, that it's really there to, to, to hang your resources and your source together in such a way that it knows what order and in what tool to to put these specific pieces into the grand compiled puzzle yeah but the great thing about that was like that way of doing it is you can just edit a make file and see what's going on so it sounds like gradle's more opaque yes you can edit this file yeah it, it's a just a text file right and you can edit it you can put things in but again there's no there's nothing that's guiding you saying hey do you mm. want to add a new library this is what you need to do. You need to go to this right. spot. You need to find the exact package name and version. So I have to go look up. Okay, I need a package that does this. Okay, what version is it? Does this version work with these other packages? You know, there's so nothing. So there's not like a registry that sorts the, all this out? I mean, there are registries out there, Maven, and there's um, different places. But again, you have to do all the work. What I'm envisioning would be nice is a front end that would just say, okay, I need to add a library for this. And it says, okay, here you go. Here's a bunch of libraries. Boom, just add it. Instead of this text blank text file where you have to, you know, I know a lot of professional developers are going to laugh at me probably, but it's like, I just want things to be easy. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, make my development life easier, not harder. Uh, I have been pleased with, with, Xcode Swift Package Manager, mm -hmm. in that it's really tried to make some of this package dependency 
foo, a lot cleaner with a nice clean UI, but it's still dealing with the entire tool chain is still somewhat of a nightmare. Yeah. And I wish I could remember what, but there's some there's some new change coming to that to Swift Package Manager and its integration into Xcode that is an improvement because Dave Furwer was talking about that in his newsletter. But that's all that's all the iOS world. That's the as iOS opposed world. to the Android and Flutter worlds. Well, Flutter has this YAML file, so okay. it's easier. It's easier in a lot of ways where you just, I mean. It's got the weird thing about spaces. You have to have X number of spaces over. That's a minor thing. But you just put the name of the package and the version. And that's so much easier. It's still a blank slate, um, but it's a lot more straightforward. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, it feels like we're in the day where we should be having flying cars. We should be having <laughs> kids, you know, kids writing programs and putting us out of business. Whereas it's like, no, I've got job security for a long time because not many people can do this stuff, you know? Well, it still seems like that part where you know what, which versions of the packages play together is not there. Right. Usually you have to um, compile it first and see if anything goes see wrong. See if it breaks. Think, yeah. 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 Okay. Flutter will tell you. Um, at when you do their, their pub get, it will tell you if there's in, some incompatibilities, which is good. So you know, up front. Yeah. Okay. So now, so now I do see what you mean by, uh, yeah. development now, still being so hard. I will say that I don't have as much experience with iOS, but to me, Xcode seems like, you know, ancient technology. It's like <laughs> under hood is all this XML. And it's just like when you get build crashes, you're in assembly stuff. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is awful. Um, Swift. I love Swift. I will say that. Mm -hmm. And Swift UI is great. That to me is a breath of fresh air. Objective Swift UI is so easy for newbies yes. and so yes. easy for anybody who is already familiar with like CSS. It's just, it's really easy. But even Swift UI, when I was trying to do some of that, it's like the Apple documentation on it's terrible. It's like, I had mm. to look it up, you know, I'd have to Google, mm. how do I do tabs or whatever, you know, and it, I couldn't find it in the Apple documentation. So yeah, it's, it's been a long time since I, I remember going back to the old interface for creating a document if you wanted to make a document editor you basically use one or two classes and it put the ruler in for you and it put the document in for you now things have become so simplified in widget type <laughs> that you're building from the ground up mm. you know, yeah. they, they, they want the, the most simple base widget right you know, so you're 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 almost building from square and circle level, right? Well, because now everything's this declarative UI, right? Which means you're writing everything in code, which is kind of cool. You're getting away from, you know, in iOS it was you know the interface builder, and you know that was cool. I liked being able to drag things around, um, but underneath the hood, you still got XML and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. You can still drag things around in Swift UI, but now you get the Swift UI code instead. Right, right. Um, but yeah, Swift UI code is so much cleaner than I remember Subjective C. <laughs> so backing away from iOS, because probably most of our listeners are going to be uh, more interested in Android and more interested in Kotlin and, and Flutter. 
tooling wise, what 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 are the tools that you're excited about today? What what are the the things that really have made things easier for you in this time of things still being difficult? Well, it's interesting. A lot of people, especially in the Flutter world, use VS Code. It's a very lightweight <laughs> editor and stuff. Um, and but I I don't know. I've I've been using IntelliJ products for years now. And um, like Android Studio, which is based on it. Um, Android Studio is kind of frustrating because I'm sorry if I'm sounding kind of negative, but um, those products have been pretty buggy um, and frustrating to use. But still, the underlying technology has been great, especially for refactoring. That's one thing I think iOS doesn't have as much. Um, they, you know, in Android, you could just like say, move it here, refactor it, rename it. It finds it everywhere. And it's just like instant practically. So it's really good. I like those kind of tools. Just for reference there, you can do that in Xcode too. Okay. Yeah. They, they've improved that. Yeah. I think I remember someone complaining about that in iOS a while. I haven't used it in a while. So I can only speak to the fact that there's a refactor command and you can rename things. I mean, I'm like. I'm writing like list apps. So, you know, I don't know what it's like on a real customer, like a yeah. large client project. I think that all the tools are getting slowly better. Um, I just wish they were exponentially better. It'd be kind of cool if maybe a third party came in with some new cool tool that would, you know, solve all our problems. <laughs> I think part of the problem that we're seeing right now is that there's so much evolution in the language that the tools have to evolve for the new features of the language rather than go back and take a look at the features they've already established and put better wrapping on them. Right. Right. Yeah. Just like stepping all the way back and thinking, how could we make this whole thing easier? Yeah. I, I find it very fascinating, though, how, you know, in the web world, and I don't know the web that well, but, you know, you have React and some of these things that really almost defined declarative programming. And I know Flutter is doing that now, Swift UI, Jetpack Compose. So everyone's doing that. So that's the new thing. But then all these tools have to be built to support that. So mm -hmm. that takes a while to build that up. Now, what are you spending your time working on, um, either work-wise, if you can discuss that, or personal-wise? You know, what what is currently in your wheelhouse? Yeah, so I have a lot of desktop apps that I wrote for myself. And I wrote them originally in Java Swing, um, which um, you may not even have heard of it, but it was a... Yeah, I actually have not heard of it. It's, that's That's been a while. It's, a, it's pretty old, yeah. So it was a UI that... Because remember, Java's promise was to be able to run anywhere. Right. right. That I remember. And I, and I actually had a job doing desktop apps in there. And so I wrote my own. Well, Apple doesn't really like Java that much. And so they've made it progressively harder to run it to the point where now I can't even run my apps. So I've decided mm. to rewrite all my apps in Flutter. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I wondered why you, you had said, you'd shared with us ahead of time that you're writing Mac desktop apps in Flutter. And I was just, I was just like, why? Yeah. So, so the interesting thing is originally I said, okay, I am not going to be preferential. I'm going to say, what is the best and easiest technology I can use to rewrite these apps? And it really did come down to Flutter being the, the easiest to do. And one of my biggest apps that I use, um, I called it like a to-do manager. 
Mm-hmm. But it really became almost my memory because I have a very poor memory. So I store everything in there. I've okay. got all my notes. I've got all important account numbers, everything in there. What do we call these? Like personal, like PKM, personal knowledge managers? Is, it, yeah, is that the something like buzzword, that. I think? Yeah. 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 Yeah, so um, I've been writing it in Flutter, and it's been pretty cool. One of the things I've been doing is um, having a reactive interface. So when you you know expand the window or contract it, it will relay out itself. So it will have a, a bar on the left when it's big, and it might have mm-hmm. a bar on the bottom. And then when you go to mobile, it has a totally different interface. Perfect. Um, so it's really nice because it works all places as well as the web too so oh that's really pleasing one of the flutter uh problems that i've had is whether or not it actually looks like a mac app or whether it looks like a flutter app right well so here's my philosophy almost every company i've been at lately our UI designers, they don't want a Mac or a Windows app. They want their company's mm. app. So they have their own colors. They have their own buttons. Everything's their own style. So it doesn't really matter if whether it's Mac or Android or whatever, because they want their look. So our at my company now, I work for Intuit, there are Mac or Android and our iOS apps look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Same colors, everything. Oh, interesting. Okay. So we, and they have huge style sheets and, you know, all these things defining the way that our brand is, you know? So if you're doing it in Flutter, you just use same kind of styles for your app. Okay. Are you finding, like, if you take an app and you implement it natively, like in Swift UI, and you implement natively in, I don't know, is Jetpack Compose the... That's the UI, yeah. UI, okay. And you do the same thing in Flutter? Do they all three look like the same app? You could make them look that way, yeah. One thing I will say about Flutter on my desktop is it is so fast. I I was shocked. Interesting. Yeah, I actually will need to add animations just to slow it down a little bit because it's like just so fast. Um, And usually you think, oh, it's not native, so it can't be fast, but it's compiled down to native code. So it and it's drawing everything itself. So it is so fast. Like I can search through like eight, 10 files in like microseconds. Search through all of them for different things. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that would actually make an excellent tutorial to see like working, like re-implementing something from a really old code base into a Flutter Mac app. That's, I mean, that's just a neat project. Yeah. We'll have more of the Kadeco podcast after these words from Split.io. This podcast is brought to you by the Split Feature Management and Experimentation Platform. What if a release was exactly how it sounds? A liberation from constraint, a moment of relief, an escape from outdated processes, tedious software changes, and the slow, painful deployments that hold back product engineers. Free your teams and your features with Split. By attaching insightful data to feature flags, Split helps you quickly deploy, measure, and learn the impact of every feature you release, which means you can turn up what works, turn off what doesn't, and give software innovation the room to run wild. 
Now you can safely deliver features up to 50 times faster and exhale. Split feature management and experimentation. What a release. To reimagine software delivery and propel your teams forward, start your free trial at split.io slash Codeco. And we'd like to thank Split.io for sponsoring this episode of the Codeco podcast. So will you make these commercially available? No. No, they're just no, for myself. These are for yeah. you. These are your yeah. own. These are I, your own tools. You know, it's funny. I originally tried to put an app in the App Store. And the problem is, if you're not a big company, you have to spend money on advertising. Well, right. I, and no, and then the one time I put ads in my app, people complain. That's all they complain about. It's got ads in it. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? You know, it's like I, I either that or I charge it. But if I charge for it, no one's going to buy it. So you have to have something. It is challenging because like, OK, having thought about these things as from a product management perspective. So if you put ads in an app, you actually aren't making any money unless like there are just tons upon tons upon tons of people looking at that app. Right. So the people exactly. making money from ads are people with games or something that's in somehow a bit predatory or doesn't feel yeah, good. Exactly. So, like you're not going to get that from like your cool personal knowledge manager. It's just not going to happen. Right. Coming, right. coming up with revenue streams for an app is it's, it's a very difficult thing. It's not in, it's not like the early days of the, the iOS frontier when anybody could write a uh, write a flatulence app and make money off of it. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Well, I will say you, also. You, know, you won't be found in the app store. There's so many apps out there. How would people find you, you know? For Mac, it's a little different, though. For the Mac app store, there are a lot less players. And it mm -hmm. is, I think, a little more socially acceptable to charge a reasonable amount of money for an app. Right. But it's still it's still challenging. I don't know, Drew, you've had some good luck with monetizing on mobile, right? For Android and iOS, you can actually pay for search terms that are used in the Play and App stores. So if somebody uses that word, you're paying a specific premium to say, uh, give my app a little boost if somebody searches for that term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's literally that's paying for the advertising within the App Store app. You're you're putting more money into the App Store or the Play Store as as it may be. Right. Uh, you know, it it works. I mean, it, it makes my app look like it's featured more often than not. Right. Right. I mean, I know, like, just being um, part of the community of iOS learners on Twitter. Um, you know, a lot of people starting out are like, I don't even know if I can make the hundred bucks back that it costs me to buy my mm. developer account. Right. Like right. it's just challenging. So. Yeah. We're breaking even right now because our Patreon is paying off our credit card bill. Good. <laughs> there you That's go. really good. Yeah. I pay a hundred bucks for Apple and I don't ever develop any apps. So it does give me access well to Xcode and I have my own team and stuff so I can make the Mac app. So that helps. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It allows you to distribute. Yeah. So. Um, so I don't know if you can answer this, but at work, like, mm -hmm. are you use, do you use Flutter at work? Who's using Flutter professionally? What's the so, take of an experienced Flutter guy on uh, it? How commercial is it right now? Yeah. So right now at our company specifically, we have a few, um, 
Flutter enthusiasts, and we've been trying to sell Flutter to the company. So basically, we have like these hackathon weeks. And mm-hmm. so we've been developing features during those weeks in Flutter and then oh, giving presentations to the management and showing to it. It's going to take a while, especially in bigger companies. Um, but I think people are seeing that, hey, you could have two staffs like we do now of one set of iOS developers, one set of Android. We have to re- completely redo all the UI for both sides. Mm completely redo all the lot business logic, all the back end, you know, maintain it all. Or you could have one team and do both at the same time. What about where you're dealing with something that's very specifically tied to the hardware level, say like streaming or uh being tied into the phone or something like that. Does Flutter have those libraries or do you need yeah. to? Yeah, they, they have a lot of libraries. It's actually amazing how many libraries they have that, you know, basically they're plugins that, you know, will have one bit of code on Android, one bit of code on iOS. Now they're starting to do it for both those two and Mac and Windows and web. Oh, nice. So it's really pretty cool. I'm, I'm surprised at looking, they have a really nice, um, portal where you can search for libraries and it's really easy to do and it shows you like the number of likes you know how popular it is and stuff so you can kind of get a a feel for it that way which is really nice i don't think you have like one place for android in ios that i can tell that makes it easy to find so i think there's like a swift path there's this thing that this this fellow Dave Verwer runs. It's a Swift okay. package index, right? Okay. And that's I but I don't know if that's a definitive only place. It's right. a place. Right. Right. So on Flutter, the newest support is the web support, right? Right. That's still to me. I think the newest and it's not quite ready type thing. It's mm. because remember you're building a Flutter app web app so it's not like a web page that can be indexed easily that's the one Hmm. bad thing you could put some html around it to make it indexable i think but um so you'd embed it in something else you'd embed it in a on a web page that yeah like yeah so you have this yeah you have this index page that embeds basically this flutter engine that then draws so you can have a great app but again it's not like this real indexable thing where you the, you know the crawlers can find each page because it's an right. app so one of the things that i'm very interested in and work in here at codeco is how do we help brand new developers like what if somebody's like oh i want to be a mobile developer mm-hmm. so if somebody came to you today kevin and said oh, i want to be a mobile developer where do i get started First of all, would you take them on an Android journey? Would you take them on a Flutter journey? And what would you say, you know, if you were boxing up a nice toolkit for them for the holidays, what tools are in that kit for them to get started? So that's interesting because I think it really depends on the phone they have. If they have an iPhone, I think they should do iPhone development, at least start out that way. If they have Android, do an Android uh, path. Um, but I think they should start out and make sure that they really enjoy programming because there's times where programming is very tedious and hard. 
it's it's so much enjoyable. I won't, I, you know, there's two different sides to it. But you have there are times where you're going to get stuck, and you have to have that gumption to do the Google searches, figure out how to solve this problem, and that it does take a lot of work and a certain mindset, you know, that logic and problem solving. Okay, so there's lots to unpack in that response. First of all, <laughs> um, you didn't say Flutter at all, so you wouldn't. So you wouldn't say get started with Flutter? Um, I would, actually, because I think it is easier. Um, and especially since you can do um, both at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to do that, I think that's a good way to do it. If you feel, and this is, this is hard, because remember, if you go to, down the iOS path, that's good to know that anyway. But you are kind of stuck just on the iOS path. Yeah. Um, and it is hard to learn both. And that's the nice thing about Flutter is that you can do both. But now it's a different language. It's Dart. So, again, you're going to have to learn a whole new language, and which you probably would if you're starting out anyway. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good language. I don't, to be honest with you, I think Kotlin and Swift are probably better languages. Mostly because I don't like the semicolon at the end. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And then Kotlin has what's called data classes, which I think are the best things since sliced bread because, you know, the compiler in the end, it writes all this code for you. So you don't have to do equals, equality stuff. You know, it does just a lot of stuff for you. It's just really nice. What's a data class and what cool stuff would it do that um, that beginner intermediate people would appreciate? What's it so, doing for us that we're doing otherwise right. in other places? So. Back in the old days with Java, you if you wanted to have a what I call a real class that would hold data, you would need to write, um, you would have to have your fields in the class. You'd have to write an inequality class that would compare each field to see if they're the same and return mm. the value. Is this equal to this other object or not? You'd have to have a hash code function that would do hashing, which is kind of a a pain. Whereas with data classes, you can write a class in one line of code. You say data class and you just give your variables and the compiler in the back end writes all that code for you, basically. Hmm. So it's really nice. That's nifty. Yeah. And that's something we get if we if we speak Kotlin. Yes. Yes. That's and cool. um, one thing I don't like about Flutter is to do the same thing. You need a package and you need to run a tool which then writes other files for you mm. i'm hearing some talk that maybe in the future they'll do something similar to kotlin classes but right now they have a lot of that code generation stuff which i really don't like so like a lot of um flutter is converting from json back and forth so if you get data from the network you get it in json well you want to convert it to models and back and forth so you have to write use these generators to do that. I mean, that's not just Flutter, right? As I've, people have opined to me that that is the very essence of like programming is just taking JSON in, putting something out, like well, and being able to say JSON back. Yeah, I mean, in um, Kotlin and Android, there's libraries that will just take those classes and kind of do that for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you don't have to write all that code for you. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, same for ah, iOS. Yeah. Another thing one might want to unpack that really has nothing to do per se with 
Android or iOS or Flutter. Um, how do you know that you're going to like computer programming? Um, that's a good question because... How does someone discover that about herself? So it was interesting. One of the jobs that I had a long time ago, we hired a lot of people. One of them was an author. One was, you know, just like a math major. Another was, you know, just all these different fields. And we even had programmers in there. And some of the programmers I thought were worse than some of the just generalists. It's more your mindset. Like, do you think logically? Do you, um, can you, and do you have that, like I said, that gumption to really follow through when things get tough? I mean, I will say I get excited when I get a UI design and I can build the UI. I just love that. And I think if you have that desire, if you want to see, it's very creative process. If you like yeah. to see your creations come to life, um, there's nothing better than that. You know, just being able to watch that and then having people use your product is amazing. You know, wow. it's really great. You know, when people say, oh, I love your product. So, yeah, I, I am hoping that programming will get easier. Um, it's just, you know, I remember a long time ago seeing some company build this graphical programming interface and I was like, oh, that is so amazing. Just draw lines between things. I thought that was the most amazing thing. It just died. And, you know, it might might have been too hard to use. I don't know why it died. We but. still use it in the teaching world, you know, like you? it's still, okay. there's still scratch. And there's like mm -hmm. I was I was starting into the like Harvard's beginning computer science course <laughs> that they have everyone take. And the first assignment there is in scratch. And it's exactly that kind of environment. Right. Although once you know a different environment like it's you know it, I, I don't know then it's a little dissonant then it's like oh take me back to something that's more familiar and and right. real but so i have to ask you because it goes right along with what we're saying have you tried chat gpt and have you tried it for helping you program that's kind of funny you should say that i just went to a talk where they were demonstrating it and it was really cool. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't trust it because, okay, you're just scraping all this, you know, people's code out there and you're giving me something from it. It's like, I don't know, maybe for like an example on how to do it might be good. Like, mm. how do you do Bluetooth networking? I mean, that might be really nice to, I, I don't know how to do it. So give me some code examples. Now, I wouldn't take it for verbatim. I'd probably take the pertinent parts and put my own code around it. Um, but so it might be good for that. I think. Uh, Susanna, just to make things a little easier, can you explain what ChatGPT is for some of the people listening in? Yes. Okay. Sorry. I've been so obsessed with this over the past like few days and the gentleman I work with at a parent software, we just like, we derailed our entire meeting today. Just going, did you know can do this? Did you know can do that? So it is, the latest cool thing from the OpenAI project, the previous really cool thing being Dolly um, image generation. So it is, I guess the buzzwords we use are it's a generative artificial intelligence model and a large language model, I think. I think that's what LLM means. And so it's a, you sign up for an OpenAI account and then you get a little web browser window with a prompt and you can say anything to it. You can say things like, um, so we have a new personal finance app for Mac called Calculator. You can say, we have a new personal finance app for Mac called Calculator. I want to write a blog post for the new year about 
financial planning goals. Can you help me? And then it comes back and it says, you should write about this. And then you say, um, can you give me some sample titles for that? And then it gives you the sample titles. And then it says, then you can say, um, can you put emojis in those titles to make them catchier? And it does it. I'm going back to college. I don't have to write anything anymore. It's unbelievable. And there are people on Twitter who are college professors who are very concerned with this because it's not clear how we detect uh, a chatbot response versus a human response. And you can also do things like, um, there's a fellow I had met at 360 iDev, Avil Gross, who works for Facebook. And he um, he was using it to say, okay, write me a Swift UI program to show me the 10 most recent stories on Hacker News. And he was able to do that and get a working program, iterating wow. with it. Now, mind you, this guy, and I may, I may be misattributing him. I'm not sure if he currently is at Facebook, but this guy is a very senior dev, knows exactly what he's looking at. So he's able, and he said this, like it wasn't all perfect out of the gate, but he knew what to change. And so our last episode, we spoke with Mark Dalrymple, who is among other things, an expert in debugging. And so I wrote to Mark and said, have you tried this? And what do you think about it for debugging? And he said, he feels it's truthy. Like it seems like it's coming up (laughs) with good answers, but they're not all good answers. And you need some expertise to know what is and isn't a good answer. Yeah, that's what kind of scares me is like, it'll give you something that it found on the net somewhere. And it's like, well, is that good? And, you know, how do you know that's good? You know, I wish we had time to play the entire interview. But if you'd like to see the interview with all the material, watch YouTube in just a few weeks for the full video version. So, Kevin, it has been so cool getting to talk with you in this venue I have enjoyed. I always enjoy any chance I have to talk with you. And this was really neat to learn a little bit more about you and learn a lot more about Kotlin and Kotlin multi-platform and Flutter. And um, so that's neat stuff. And I would recommend to anybody out there listening to dig in deep and, and look at some of these books too. On our next episode, we are going to be interviewing Kave Bolombo, who is a new contributor to our professional growth, professional development work here at Codeco, and is a tech recruiter and an NGO founder and somebody very experienced in meaningfully building diversity. Um, you can find us on Twitter because we are still over there. Um, Drew is at Podcast Drew. I'm at Suze Gupta. And Kevin is at Kevin Davmore. Short for David. That'll wrap things up. And we look forward to seeing you all in our next episode in about two weeks. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Kadeco Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to leave a rating in your favorite podcast app. See you next time.